When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time to take a ride on the Steelers Afternoon Drive with our co-hosts, Alan Saunders and Zachary Smith. Welcome in to another episode of Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith. That is Alan Saunders. Alan, I was wrong. You said the last time you saw today's guest, who's riding shotgun with us, they were wearing hot pink. I thought it was going to be Chris Carter. It is not Chris Carter. <laughs> Jenna Harner joining the show. Jenna, what's going on? Carter could rock hot pink probably better than I can. I can so I understand where that's coming from. But I'm so glad to be here with you guys. Thank you for having me. This was my way, like, so this is salmon, obviously. Like, I was going for as close to hot pink as I could. Yep. But this is as good as I could do. There's no hot pink in the uh, in in the wardrobe over here. <laughs> not a not a single one. Zero. Zero. Also, I don't even have a. I have maybe one purple, and uh, that's that's about it. All right. I've seen the purple. I've seen the purple. Yeah, okay. Alan, also, like for the first time, we are losing the facial hair that we've had. Yeah, yeah, we're down to one beard for the first time in quite a while on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I need your immediate well, reaction to uh, Smitty's Arthur Smith style mustache. I was uh, going to say, this is like phenomenally fitting. Like, are we doing tributes to Arthur Smith here? I've that's actually it. exactly. I was going to ask if you saw my tweet. That's exactly what I did. Yes. So we hired Arthur Smith and I was like, I'm going to shave to just a mustache in solidarity with Arthur Smith. Somebody said you won't. And I immediately did. Because of them saying you, I probably wouldn't have actually done it had somebody not said you won't. Quoted the tweet with literally just a picture of me with a mustache. People have actually said it looks better than me with a beard, which is not what I was expecting. When I saw my mom for the first time, she was like, oh, okay. Like you haven't had just a mustache since probably 2021 for November. And I was like, oh, don't worry about it. The Steelers just hired Arthur Smith. And then she acted like it was completely normal that I went to just a mustache for that reason. So that's how we're here. As one does. That is like quintessential Pittsburgh. Like if you're reactive, if you hear it and you're like, hey, this you look different. You're like, oh, yeah, Arthur Smith. You're like, no, that makes sense. Of course. I think Pittsburgh is like, listen, we have uh, Bill Cower, Dave Wanstead, Mike Ditka. This is a city where good coaches have mustaches. I think 
this is an underrated talking point about the fit between <laughs> Arthur Smith and Pittsburgh. Yeah, we've talked yeah, about I mean, obviously the run game and what you know him his vision of the Steelers' offense, but also the mustache. You have to. It's yeah, like a lot of boxes. Boxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of boxes being checked. Almost three minutes into this thing and kind of off the rails already uh this is typically how it goes so uh but i do want to talk five minutes after we recorded alan yesterday some transaction stuff drops down and of course like that's, this is how we know that things are going our way five minutes after we're done recording mitch trubisky released okay like that one we kind of expected but then like immediately after chooks a core four and presley harvin also so like i want to talk about that because mitch trubisky not surprising to me i thought chooks a core four wouldn't be on the 2024 roster but maybe they could fetch like a late day three pick or something like that for him and then harvin i thought would get the camp and at least battle for that position um so a little bit more surprised about those two than mitch but i want to get both of your thoughts on it as well you know, I was a little surprised that we saw Chooks of Corfor just released right now. I thought the Steelers would hold on to him and see if they got a pick. I mean, you remember they got draft picks back for Kendrick Green, Kendrick Green. And, and and Kevin Dotson. And I would think that, I mean, the salary's big, right? And and so that, that's, but it's not guaranteed. And the Steelers would be paying the, the signing bonus no matter what. So if, if another team is looking at Kevin Dotson, uh, I'm sorry, Chooks and saying like, oh, we would sign this guy for, I don't know, two years, 10 million. Like they could have just worked that out with him after a trade and, and cut the line on the free agency process. I'm not saying he would have been a got a big haul, but I'm a little surprised they just cut him loose right now. I didn't think he was going to be on the team and he certainly wasn't going to play even if he was. So there's also like cap space wise, they need the space. But they don't need it today. Like they can't sign anyone mm-hmm. until March 13th. So yeah, a little curious there. Also, same thing with Presley Harvin, right? Like I mean, I didn't think he was going to win the punting job this year. I thought they were going to look to upgrade on him. That one mostly feels to me like just kind of giving a guy a hand who you you know he's not going to win a job. Like it helps Presley Harvin find a new home to be released today instead of being cut on the last day of training camp if they've already decided they're probably going to go a different direction. Yeah, it, it seemed kind of like they were, the Steelers kind of were gracious in the way that they were dealing with all of these three guys where, you know, they're letting all three of them, but Mitch in particularly, like get out ahead of free agency and be able to say, okay, go test the waters, go explore things. The the Chukes one, it, it did feel like the writing was on the wall a little bit, just in like when Alan, when we were talking with him in uh, on locker cleanout day, you could just kind of sense like, he kind of felt like it wasn't his place here anymore. And obviously everything that happened, you know, what was said after that Jags game and the comments that eventually led him to being benched and obviously them knowing the future is in Broderick Jones. So it felt like more of these were kind of those types of like, Hey, we're going to give you a little bit of a hand here and let you guys, you know, test the waters because this just isn't, you know, it's not going to work for either side here in Pittsburgh. With Mitch, it's it's so strange because, I, you know, I thought that was a good signing for the Steelers. It just – and I don't feel like I have any real firm grasp of why it went as poorly as it did. You, you know, it, it seemed like, okay, you look at the guy who was with the Bears and you think, hey, if he's at least that good, it'll be okay, and maybe he could be better. Nobody really liked the Bears' you know, offensive scheme when he was there. It was, it was widely sort of poked at around the NFL, and you bring him in and – and it, he wasn't as good, and then he was even worse when he played this year. Uh, do you have any sense of what happened? 
I, I, that's that's the biggest question to me is like, was it partially, I don't want to say the yips entirely, but was it just like, was it in that realm of things where, you know, things were just not going well? And obviously we can go back to what was it week four of last season, not this past season, season before of 2022, 2023, where there's the whole Deontay Johnson locker room spat and then they bring Kenny out and all of a sudden things change. But it, to me, this was there was so much hope for him coming in, especially too with all of my connections in Buffalo, formerly like the bills mm -hmm. and the bills media, like they loved Trubisky and they loved what he brought from that room and what he learned under Brian Dable and learned being behind Josh Allen and being in that room. And you thought there was going to be a lot of optimism coming to Pittsburgh. Hey, he's going to be kind of that perfect stop gap until you feel Kenny Pickett's ready. And he's going to be able to win you games. He's not going to, you know, cost you games by any means. And then all of a sudden we just, see him costing the Steelers game after game after game. And granted, there's more problems on the Steelers than just Mitch Trubisky when, you know, he was playing the way he was playing, but it was just like, he never seemed to figure it out. And I don't know if that was based on the offensive scheme that he was in. If it was just himself, it was something going on internally. I, I don't really want to know. I, I don't really know. And I'm not sure if we're really going to know, but just, it was, it's really a bummer that it just didn't work out the way that it did, because I think there was a lot of anticipation when Trubisky was signed here. And what was it? May of 22, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I certainly thought Buffalo was going to be a nice reset for him and he would come yeah. here and perform at at least like a game manager level, but we didn't even get that. Although if I'm a betting man, I am, by the way, I could definitely see him going back to Buffalo to once again back up Josh Allen. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I, th I do think like maybe some of the wind of, you know, got taken out of the sails a little bit when they did draft Kenny. You know, he kind of said that, like, that that wasn't something they talked to him about. And I remember, so after they had signed him, that first summer after minicamp like i went up to he's from uh near cleveland mentor ohio he has like a youth football camp by the way the entire town of mentor ohio adores mitch trubisky he, he mm. like could run for mayor if the quarterback thing doesn't work out for him um i went there and I, you know it's a youth football camp right so there's like a hundred kids and they're all you know excited to see him and bubbly and and also like they're all browns fans so there's like some natural tension right that now he's playing for the steelers and like he does like this little q a and i'm just like watching with the kids and and like the, the first question from one of these kids is like why they draft kenny pickett and is he better than you and i'm like oh, oh man <laughs> All right, like that was to me like the defining moment of Mitch Trubisky's tenure in Pittsburgh is before he ever even played a game, like the kids in his hometown where he is absolutely adored and for great reasons because he's a great person. They're already like grilling him about Kenny Pickett. And I just, I think it, I don't know. I kind of feel like I'm not I'm no psychologist. I kind of feel like part of that got into his head. And Kenny, you know, when he played, especially early on was very, uh, risk averse. I think that was something that like everyone outside was seeing. And then I feel mm -hmm. like when Mitch got his chance, he just went like full YOLO and turned the ball over in like kind of an effort to not be what had been. Yeah. And I what was it that Ravens game where he threw three yeah. picks and it was all like there yeah. was a couple in the red zone. Like it just, mm -hmm. it, there were those situations where you're like, 
you don't have to play hero in this way. And I get, I probably am trying to understand a little bit the mentality of it where it's like, okay, when you have the opportunity, when Kenny was hurt or, you know, the cases that Mitch came in after he was demoted to the backup and was like, I want to just try here. And, and you felt that too this year when Kenny gets hurt. And was it that I, the order of the games this year, my brain is just totally lost. So it was well, it happened in like a 24 hour span, basically in my life. I'm not sure I slept between that Cardinals game and the Patriots game. No. But, but it was Cardinals first, then Patriots on the same week. Well, he was also hurt in the Texans game. Yeah. So well, the Texans game good. was like already out of hand by the time yeah. Mitch yeah. got in. So, but the Jaguars game, remember? There was um, you know, he, that, that was a game that game they were very the much in when he came in and uh, and things didn't go well. And then uh, I think the, the last interception against the Colts was really what sealed it for him. That's when Mason Rudolph came in after that. And I think Mike Tomlin was asked, like, why did you put Mason Rudolph in with, like, no time left in a meaningless game? And he didn't answer the question, but but the answer was because he was mad about Mitch turning the ball over. That's why he did it, right? It was pretty clear that, you know, he finally saw one too many interceptions and said, I'm done with this guy. Yeah, and I, and I do want to commend Mitch for everything that – how gracious he was consistently with us in the media. I mean, gosh, you, you don't have to be, especially when you went through everything that you went through and when he deals with some of the questions that are thrown his way. But he was nothing but class the entire time. And just I – you root for him as a person. You want to just see him do well no matter where he goes, if you know he stays in the NFL or whatever his future holds here. But he was just always someone to in the locker room, you know, that was – you know, would take the time to answer your question, would answer all the questions, even when they weren't easy ones to answer. So definitely want to give him a shout out for that. And just, you know, a lot of guys aren't necessarily that way. And he always kind of carried himself with this class and poise that, you know, was really impressive. The last thing I want to talk about with Mitch is does him not working out scare you away from going down that road again? The Steelers are going to want to bring in someone to compete with Kenny Pickett. Uh, they've said that, you know, it doesn't look like that's going to be Mason Rudolph. We've talked a lot about that not really seeming to make sense for anyone. So if they're going to go out and bring someone in, does, does either just because it didn't work with Mitch or maybe you, you worry about your own scouting process that led you to get to Mitch? Like, do, does that scare you away? Does it make you feel less confident in, say, I don't know, Ryan Tannehill or Russell Wilson or whoever the Steelers might bring in working out because Mitch didn't? I, I, that's a really good question because I think part, parts of both of it you can look at where it's like, okay, how did they evaluate Mitch? What did they see in him? What do they feel went wrong? And how does that all play into you going out and finding somebody else and looking at the process of it all? You can kind of say, hey, here's where we as a Steelers staff, as a scouting department, we faltered in these areas and what we didn't see and what we didn't expect. But I think at the same time, too, again, as we mentioned, you know, we didn't expect Mitch to come here and play the way that he did. And I think there were, again, there was so much optimism. So I think no matter what veteran that they do decide to bring in and gosh, I feel like I should just put some money down on the fact that it probably seems like it's going to be Ryan Tannehill just based on every single direction and everything that, you know, you hear and all of that. And just, his steady presence that you want in that locker room. Again, a veteran that can compete with Kenny Pickett, um, a guy that's been around the league and stuff like that and has had success. And obviously his ties with Arthur Smith kind of just seem too perfect in all of those ways. Um, but, you, you know, you you have to think that, like, anything can be better. And I don't mean that in a negative way. Like, and I don't mean that in a shot towards Mitch by any means, but they didn't get – 
anywhere near the play that they thought they were going to get out of them. And you ideally hope that no matter who you bring in here, whether it is Tannehill or Russell Wilson or any of those veteran QBs in the league that have kind of been here for a little bit and have shown glimpses of solid quarterback play, you have to think that they're going to be able to come here and at least perform better if need be compared to what we saw with Mitch. Yeah, Alan, we've talked a lot about like self-scouting on here, and that was in terms of like the Steelers themselves, you know, week-to-week self-scouting. And we also had a conversation about that with like the role of offensive quality control coach. But like how about self-scouting your scouting in terms of bringing in Mitch Trubisky? Um, but yeah, I think that's what kind of both of you were alluding to. I would say it doesn't like scare me off because that's like the conversation people had for so many years in terms of the Steelers identifying talent at the corner cornerback position, not necessarily quarterback position. But like you got to keep firing darts. Like you can't have that thought process like, oh, like we don't have the trust in ourselves to find that guy. This is even just a conversation for like this year. I know like my answer on this, but like I'm also thinking about the fact that as opposed to paying a highly priced back quarterback, we've talked about this too, the idea of finding somebody in the draft, like in the middle rounds to develop into, and I'm not even talking about like a starter, like you need to find guys that are back quarterbacks through the draft as well in the middle rounds too. So you're not paying a guy like Mitch Trubisky $10 million to come in, you know, as a backup. Um, so I, I don't know. That's kind of where I'm with it as well. Again, uh, I'm happy that Jenna once again also brought up Ryan Tannehill. I think we're going to end up saying his name on this podcast every single day until free agency hits and the Steelers can sign him. Um, because like I just see this playing out as Kenny Pickett, Ryan Tannehill, mid-round draft pick. I just think they want a rookie contract in that room as the third guy. Yep. Well, um, the other thing that happened after the show ended yesterday and after that news was written, because like, why not just all happen in the same? I can't wait to see what ago. happens after today's show. This <laughs> is the Steelers and uh, extended the contract of running backs coach Eddie Faulkner. I thought Eddie did a great job as the running backs coach, and I thought he was very deserving of the opportunity to be interim offensive coordinator. And I thought it, the interim, I mean, the things went way better than I expected with, with Eddie Faulkner and mm -hmm. Mike Sullivan running, running the show. And I think probably better than the Steelers expected as well. Um, so he's back. So, you know, I, I, that's a piece of news. I, I guess we can react to, but I, I think the bigger question is, is that all, are, are we done with offensive coaches or are they going to continue to look? Because there's, there's not really another op obvious open spot, but they did talk about a pass game coordinator kind of role. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what, uh, and we still don't know really what's happening with Mike Sullivan, right? Like he's still on the raw, he's still on the on the staff page, but no one's really sure what his role is going to be. Yeah, I'm really intrigued to see how his kind of role shakes out. And it was super interesting because when I sat down with Steelers president and owner Art Rooney II a week and a half a week ago at this point, I'm, I again days, I, I don't know what day it is. So it's Tuesday. I learned that one because I did an interview. I told you because earlier I did an interview earlier today, and I was saying, <laughs> oh yeah. Happy Wednesday. How's your Wednesday going to someone I was interviewing? They look me dead in the eye and they're like, John, it's Tuesday. I was like, of course it is. Thank you so much. Um, but uh, I, when I sat down with Art Rooney II a week ago, I had asked him, I was like, you know, we've seen a lot of NFL staffs adding positions, adding guys that weren't necessarily jobs that weren't there when you guys won your most recent Super Bowls, i.e. a passing game coordinator. Do you kind of anticipate that? And he was nonchalant in the way that he answered where he basically just said, you know, this is that time of year. We're turning over staffs. We're seeing, you know, who we value, who we want to go after, who, you know, what parts of things yet. We don't really want to like play labels on people. And I think that in part is just the Steelers being like, yeah, we're not going to name this guy this, especially because of tradition. And correct me if I'm wrong, but like they don't usually go with like, like those weird different new never had sports. a sort of sub coordinator 
uh, title for anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it was super interesting, too, because, again, when we, you know, heard when Art Rooney spoke with you guys in the print side of things, and he said, you know, we do kind of have to keep up with some of the trends in the NFL. And so that's where everybody was like, passing game coordinator. This seems like exactly what it should be here. And, you know, you want someone, in my opinion, too. I know some of the guys that they brought in have experience working with quarterbacks. But my thing was like, okay, you get Arthur Smith. Go get someone, this young offensive mind that can collaborate with your quarterbacks, that can get every single thing you need to get out of Kenny Pickett. Because I think that was the one area I feel like Arthur Smith was lacking in a little bit for a better word, but just like that isn't his area of expertise compared to being a coordinator on the offense as a whole. I don't know, though. I feel like after all the moves we've seen, I I don't know if there's going to be any more moves. It wouldn't surprise me either way, but I think if the Steelers – feel like their staff is what they want it to be right now. They're like, all right, we're good. We're, we're all right with where we are. Yeah. Alan, when we recorded last week, we thought Tom Arth was that guy for pass game coordinator while we were recording when that news broke, but then, you know, the news trickled down, like, no, he's the quarterback coach. And like you said, we're still waiting for the role in terms of Mike Sullivan's role within the staff too. But like, I, I would think that that might be the one area. Maybe they still do something with, I don't know. I, I I'm holding out hope that they would be, on board with the idea of like a senior offensive assistant that we keep talking about. Like, obviously they don't even have that on the defense side of the ball, but they did with Brian Flores haven't replaced that on the defensive side either, but like that same type of role, but on the offensive side, I think they should be open to the idea of that, but I would, I'm leaning towards no. I think that we do have pretty much what we're going to see in place, like with how swiftly they acted after the season ended to do the roster moves that they did yesterday that we've already talked about. I think if there was something like at least in the works already staff wise, it would have already been announced by now. I was trying to answer this question myself before I asked it, and I thought, well, Mm -hmm. you know, when they hired Flores, he had kind of been hanging around a while, right? So maybe they'll just wait and see if there's, like, a coach that's just too good to not have a job that's out there that they'll just – yeah, like Mike Vrabel, right? They'll just pounce on him. And then I went and looked, and then uh, they hired Brian Flores on February 19th. So um, if it's happening, it's it's (laughs) got to happen, right? I mean, that's uh, that's a couple days away. So Mm -hmm. I'm – I'm thinking that maybe that this is all we're going to see. Also, just a, I'll throw this dart out there uh, with Mike Sullivan. When he uh, was fired as the quarterback's coach in Denver, he took a year off. And then when he got back into football, he worked for Army on the like player personnel side. He was the recruiting coordinator. So maybe if they're going to keep him around, maybe it's in that kind of role. Maybe it's more of like a scout or a, a player personnel director, you know, uh, that kind of role. Maybe he's not going to be an offensive coach. I could see something like that happening. Yeah. And I just, I know that he was so loved by that quarterback room and obviously things are changing now in the way it's taking shape and more likely than not two thirds of the quarterback room from this year is going to be gone. And when one third already is gone and again, Mason Rudolph, it seems like it's only a matter of time before we find out where he's going in free agency, but they really like they loved Sully and they loved what he brought to that room. And so I think that part of maybe plays into it just in my thinking in that way, where the Steelers were like, you know, Hey, he was such a valuable guy, especially to Kenny Pickett, like keeping him around doesn't seem like it would be harmful by any means. And I mean, again, like him and Eddie Faulkner kind of combined did a decently solid job given the hand they were dealt with uh, when the timing of the coordinator change happened. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jenna, we want to talk about you now. Um, a week ago from tomorrow, 
was National Girls and Women's in Sports Day, and obviously huge day for you. But I, and I think that a lot of people look to you in Pittsburgh as like one of those types of people, and not just with women, like in general, people that cover sports. Um, and I want to dive into that conversation a little bit, what that means to you to be in the position that you are, how you got into the position that you are. I think a lot of people that have like followed you since your time covering the Pittsburgh team just assume like, oh, she's been in Pittsburgh forever. But that wasn't the case. So let's take a step back and talk about your journey. Oh, well, I am so honored. That was like the nicest thing that's ever been said about me. So really? Thanks. All right. Well, first off, that's a pretty low bar. <laughs> it, it... That, that was incredibly kind. No, thank you. Um, but I, I, I tell everybody this, it's hilarious. I actually like, I grew up around sports. I love sports more than anything. And you kind of always, you know, think that your experience growing up is everybody's experience. So my mom's the bigger football fan in the house. My dad's the bigger hockey mm -hmm. fan, but Liz Harner is like the reason why I'm the most anxious person watching the New York football giants every Sunday when I get to watch them, because I just sit there on the couch and I'm in nerves because that's what she taught me and that's what she does. Um, but I, you know, we always grew up watching sports and sports were a big part of family vacations and I loved them, but I always wanted to get into news. I wanted to be like, at the reporter at the breaking news scenes, the fires, the, you know, big stories. And when I got to college, all the upperclassmen were auditioning for all the TV shows. And they looked at me, they're like, you know, sports really well. We're just gonna like pull you into the sports department. So that's how it all happened. And it's so funny, because I just I was so dead set on wanting to do news that going into sports, I was like, I why did I not think of this? Why would I have not thought this way? Um, so I went to Ithaca College, did everything there for four years, got some really cool opportunities to cover some really cool stuff when I was there. Um, then I started in Elmira, New York, middle of nowhere, southern tier New York. I tell people if you know where like Binghamton is, it's an hour east of Binghamton. Um, so I was there for two years, got to cover some really awesome things, kind of same thing and get my feet wet, you know, covering high school football in Pennsylvania and New York and NASCAR and, you know, all these things you never think you would cover. Um, and then two years later, I was in Buffalo, um, which was awesome and the coolest experience. And then since March of 2020, late March, I've been here in Pittsburgh, which feels nuts because it's been four years. I'm like, how did we get here? How did this happen? But I've- uh... Mar March of 2020, that, that's really good timing. COVID, Ta Jenna Harner comes into Pittsburgh. Yep. Time has basically <laughs> stopped functioning like we're used to ever since the pandemic. So I really have no idea. I think you've been here forever, actually. I think yeah. to just go all the way back to the beginning of the question, you actually have been here forever. And there was like a weird time flux in there. It's everyone, all one year. Everyone wants <laughs> to think they're special. And every group of people thinks that they are special. And I think Pittsburgh sports fans are certainly not immune to that uh, characteristic. But we have with us an actual expert that has been around fans in other places. How are Pittsburgh fans special in their own way? That is a phenomenal question. And I just, the it's very similar to Buffalo. And I like always, I said this when I came here too, because both cities just, live, breathe, and die by their sports teams. Like I say to people in Pittsburgh all the time, I envy you guys growing up here because, you know, everybody's a Steelers fan. Everyone's a Penguins fan. Everyone's a Pirates fan. Yeah, you have your own little mixes of, okay, you know, somebody's dad lived in Cleveland. So, you know, they all root for the Browns, but you're a Steeler, like something in that realm. But for me growing up, you would go into like Dick's Sporting Goods or you'd go into, you know, the stores and there would be, Red Sox, Yankees, Jets jerseys, or Red Sox, Yankees, and Mets jerseys. And on the other wall, it's Giants, Patriots, and Jets jerseys. And all the lane, you're like, 
it's not just one team. And so Pittsburgh fans, I I've always loved the Steelers growing up because they hated Tom Brady and the Patriots as much as I did. And I loved that. And, you know, <laughs> growing up watching Sidney Crosby and being such a hockey fan, like it, it's surreal to me now to be here and be able to interview a player like that. And a guy like that, you know, you just sit there and you're like, you know, I, you were my childhood idol and now I'm here, to, you know, reporting on you and your games and covering you. But the passion that people have here in Pittsburgh is just unrivaled. Like here again, here in Buffalo, it's so similar, but everybody just, the teams bring people together in ways that you don't see everywhere else. And it's just super cool. And everybody has kind of like the base sports knowledge. Like a lot of my friends back home aren't big sports fans, but you come here and everybody just is kind of like, yeah, no, we're like, we're at least going to go to the bar and watch the game. Like it's, it's, it's a really cool place where just sports are so, such a part of the community and so centric to like who everybody is as a person. And I think that's just an awesome thing. To watch in a giant eagle right now and hear people talk about taking Jackson Powers Johnson at pick number 20 <laughs> and the season <laughs> just ended. Yes. Everywhere you go, um, someone, someone's wearing a TJ Watt jersey to church. Like it, it's just, it's so perfect. Oh, the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 40 shirt is the ultimate travel shirt. If you go to an airport, somebody's wearing that shirt. Yes. <laughs> I was somewhere, I can't remember. I was traveling for work and I was somewhere, I think it was in like Tallahassee, Florida. And like, you know why and and here's like a woman walking down the street in a chris fumatu mafala jersey and i'm just like there that's my people right there there we are i got one better for you so it was not this past summer the summer before i was in charleston for one of my friends bachelorette parties and we did a boat day and we took a boat out to like a remote sandbar like middle of nowhere and there are two people on this sandbar and they, their boats docked like, you know, 30 yards down. Guys, a Steeler hat on. They grew up in Moon. I'm like, are you joking me? Like, how does this happen? How, like, a remote sandbar in the middle of the ocean in <clears throat> Charleston and the only other person here is a Steelers fan. My co-host for Around the 412, Tyler, was in Sydney, Australia, when the Penguins won the Stanley Cup, the second of their back-to-backs. Immediately, like, as soon as they won the next day, he's, like, walking through somewhere. This lady that was from, like, Ambridge just happened, like, walks past him. He's wearing Penguin stuff, and they start celebrating together. Ambridge. Like, Sydney, Australia. Yeah. That's so good. Unbelievable. So good. Uh, So you grew up in Connecticut. You've worked in uh, two two places in, I don't know, what do you call that? Central New York, upstate New York, central New York, central, southern, Buffalo's western. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, then, and then Pittsburgh. So we'll say, we'll we'll say like four, four kind of distinct areas, right? Uh, Where is Pittsburgh the best of those four places? And where is Pittsburgh the worst of those four places? That is a great question. Best is weather because this is the furthest south I've lived. <laughs> That's this the is first time, first time <laughs> ever. Is the best weather it's ever yeah. been the case yeah. ever. I have to say, I mean, we see palm this- trees all the time in Pittsburgh. <laughs> we've seen the sun how many times this month so far? I think it's been like every day in February. I'm like, I'm not used to this. I love it. I'm here for it. I know Pittsburgh's not too. Um, 
yeah, best right now, I'd say definitely weather. Definitely, I mean, the city of Pittsburgh too surprises me in so many ways. It is so cool. It just, there's so many little things to do and everything has its own history to it, but you get all the different, the, the neighborhoods to me. I, I know that's like a classic answer, but I just, the, the neighborhoods to me have been the coolest part where everybody has their own style and flair and like little food in the certain parts of all of it. The food scene too here is phenomenal. Worst though, I'm trying to think. I traffic see the worst, worst drivers. That is a uh, I will, I will die on that hill. I posted on Instagram, it was the Travis Kelsey screaming at Andy Reid, and it's like it says maintain speed through the tunnel. And I'm like, This is oh, that's so good. I wish I'd have seen that. <laughs> it's like, This is literally me every single day where I'm just like, Drive, just it, it, you don't. You can't change lanes, so keep going. Just go right through. That's my that's my hot take for the day. There we go. Uh, Jenna, we're about to be running over, but I have to ask you one last question because I've asked everybody that's been on here. Thank you for your time, by the way, again. Um, what has been, and you might have answered this already because of the conversation that you've got to have with some great people, what has been your favorite experience in Pittsburgh? That's a good we're like, you're like pinch me moment, like going back to those days at Ithaca or in, in Buffalo, like any of those times where you were like, uh, like you can't imagine being at doing this that you did at that time. Oh, I think honestly covering a playoff hockey game, because that was a dream of mine for so long. So covering it was the Islander series and getting to both be on Long Island and here in Pittsburgh, like there's nothing like playoff hockey and the atmosphere, especially like PBG paints arena to me, I think still has a lot of room to grow when it comes to hockey atmospheres and like playoff atmospheres, yeah. but it was the coolest thing. And just feeling that energy, like I, to me, I'm like, you sit there and you're like, okay, this is what I've dreamed of my entire life. Like this is what I've wanted to work towards in my career for so long. So getting to do that, but there, I mean, there's been so many amazing ones. I covered a super bowl two years ago. I'm like, how does that, that, I never would have expected that all these little things that, you know, you, you sit here every day and you're kind of like this job has brought so many amazing things, experiences, people in my life. And I'm so grateful, but definitely playoff hockey for me, I think was top, top there. Well, I'm glad that Islanders series was good for somebody in this. Uh, <laughs> it was painful. It was painful. Hey, I, I, you, there's one of those coming up here uh, next Sunday that is for, like, for me, I, I think is going to, I'm like, I'm really wishing I was going to be there for uh retiring Yarmer Yager's jersey that's gonna be pretty incredible that is going to yeah. be so cool they're like do you want to go I'm like is that even a question of course guys <laughs> yes <laughs> like I, I say say no more you could have just been like do you yes the answer is I'm going yes uh Jen I don't think you need to tell the people but just in case you do tell the people where they could find you Oh, well, thank you guys again so much for having me. This has been awesome. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Jenna Harner 11, uh, Instagram at Jenna underscore Harner and on WPXI locally and online. If you uh, are not here in Pittsburgh, but uh, we're doing some really cool stuff for uh, our Black History Month special coming up later in the month. So got to do some really cool interviews there. So stay tuned for all that's to come for that. There we you can go. also and find Alan. Jenna and me on the final mm. word on Sunday nights. And you would have known that Jenna was going to be today's guest because uh, the last time I saw Jenna was when we were together on the final word and she was wearing all hot pink. So uh, yep. you will learn at least, well, maybe at least that. And also, uh, <laughs> if you didn't watch, uh, you should go back and watch because for nothing else than to see Rob Rossi's ridiculous fit uh, from Sunday night because it was about an 11 out of 10. 
Uh, that's uh, on the site, SteelersNow.com. That's where all my work lives. And you can find me uh, on basically all the social medias at Saunders underscore PGH. There we go. Like, subscribe, hit that notification bell here. Hit us in the comments with any questions, thoughts, Ooh, comments, geez. concerns. Tomorrow's guest... Tomorrow's guest is extremely fond of one part of his body, and it might be his ear. Might be his ear. Okay, I like I know who it is, and I'm ten, completely thrown off. And now I'm thinking you switched the guest on me. I have questions. Anyways, I am Zachary Smith, PGH. This is a five-star review if you're listening somewhere else. Thanks again to Jenna Harner for jumping in, riding shotgun with us on the afternoon drive. Until tomorrow, for Alan Saunders and myself, we'll see you then. <laughs>